0: Coms Day Live. I'm Graham Lynch and welcome to the show. Well, unless you're buried under a rock, you'll be fully aware that we've got a federal election coming up in a week or so. And um, naturally, it is incumbent upon Coms Live to cover this election. Now, as it so happens, we held our annual Coms Day Summit last week and we had both the Federal Communications Minister, Paul Fletcher, and the Shadow Communications Minister, Michelle Rowland, giving keynote speeches. We'll be hearing some of the highlights of those two speeches a little later on in the show. But first up, i wanted to take a look at um, some of the largesse that the government has been dispensing on the telecommunications sector over the past couple of weeks in the form of the Regional Connectivity Programme, which is a $100 million plus fund um, that's been dispensed to various telcos around the country to do good works in the regions. Joining me to talk about it is the Executive Editor of Comms Day, Rowan Pearce. Welcome. Rowan. Good morning. First up, from what it seems, the Regional Communications Minister, Bridget McKenzie, has been employing a strategy to drip feed announcements about these RCP funds over the past week or so. Um, Tell us how she's been doing it. And uh, you've also done an analysis of who's been winning the funds. So can you take us through that? yeah i guess like you
1: said it's been coming out in dribs and drabs which i guess at least um keeps keeps us gainfully employed because it gives us something to talk about and write about um but yeah it's quite it's quite interesting it's been rolled out um in terms of the announcements on a state by state kind of announcement everything um has been carefully flagged for which electorate it is in it's obviously carefully targeted um pre-election kind of announcements um so yesterday we actually got the details of the New South Wales grants, which we're kind of assuming, you know, unless they have something else tucked up their sleeves, that kind of completes pretty much all of RCP round two. Um, so this gave me a chance to look at the kind of overall spending trend, which is quite interesting. I mean, the upshot is, I uh, like, I guess not too unexpectedly in some ways, Telstra has been by far the biggest winner. So I had a look and it's $56 million for Telstra mobile coverage, so that includes macros, um, new macros, new small cell rollers, but also some upgrades to existing sites. And I guess on top of that, it's also received funding for a joint um, project with Vocus, which will uh, be focused on uh, improving mobile coverage on um, Christmas Island, as well as a fiber loop in Northwest um, Queensland. So $56 million that's a big chunk of the kind of RCP Round 2 funding. Uh, the second biggest beneficiary has been NBN Co., which has received about $38 million, And that's mainly to kind of split um, Skymaster areas to FTTp. It's also received a bit of funding uh, which will support fixed wireless in some SkyMaster areas. So that really just leaves uh, 28.3 million for everyone else that's had grants announced. Um, Optus, for example, has only been named in one grant, which is worth $800,000 for a project in WA that's also part, partly funded by the state government. So I think it's kind of it's, it's a real stark breakdown of you have. Telstra and MBN, and then you have everyone else. And I reckon that a lot of people look at that breakdown and kind of it raises a, a heap of issues. Um, I mean, obviously, RCP is, like, one of the biggest funding, uh, federal kind of, like, comms funding programs that we've seen. Um, and obviously, you know, it's not, it's not really Telstra or NBN's fault that they've ended up with, like, most of the money. But it definitely, I think, is going to put the focus on things like in New South Wales, where the government has been consciously pushing for... You know a neutral host kind of strategy which will like open up regional infrastructure to more than one operator i mean i guess the the other thing that really occurred to me is that this this takes place just ahead of the accc presumably considering um they're going to let the tpg telstra network sharing deal go through and it kind of i mean it it'll be a somewhat astonishing situation you would think if you get all this federal money going to um, mainly one telco, and then that infrastructure is just kind of locked down and TPG is locked out of that. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting.
0: Um, okay, on, on another note, uh, you had a great report in Comms Day today about uh, the Western Australian government annual budget and um, <laughs> a really interesting slab of funding for what, what <laughs> you could very much term as a special event. Tell us about it, right? so yes like like uh like like you i'm very excited for the uh the
1: 2023 uh, total total eclipse so the wa budget um well, i haven't looked through it yesterday and they have actually got f- 5.4 million bucks in there for um it's for a temporary telco infrastructure upgrade for Exmouth, um which apparently is going to be one of the best places to witness a solar eclipse um and i guess yeah it's one of those kind of like quite niche Budget um, budget items. Uh, we we did take a look, and the eclipse is going to take seventy six seconds on the twentieth of April, twenty twenty three. So it's kind of like your your per second um, uh, comms funding is quite high
0: there. Indeed, my my calculation is that since they're estimating it will attract fifty thousand tourists to the area, that's a one hundred and eight dollar subsidy per tourist to ensure that they can all upload their photograph of the eclipse to Instagram during that um, window. Let's be generous and say, you know, it takes a bit of time for, for the, the, the moon to cover the sun and so forth. So perhaps it's it's a little more than 76 seconds in terms of the event. Maybe we're talking an hour or something. But um, it is quite an extraordinary subsidy. And I've got, I've got to say, when I read about it, my reaction was that in a couple of years where we've had some incredibly over-the-top Government interventions into the communications. This was a point truly jumped the shark. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you very much for joining us today, Rowan. Cheers. Cheers. Well, moving on. As I was saying, we had both Michelle Rowland and Paul Fletcher shadow commerce minister and um, serving commerce minister speak at our comms day summit last week um they they both position their speeches very much as you know kind of big keynotes um talking about what's happened over the past decade in in telecommunications policy and looking ahead to what they will do if re-elected in paul's case or elected to the um elected to government in michelle's case um so we'll start off Having you listen to what Michelle said, she, she she gave us a bit of perspective on where she saw mistakes um, with the NBN, and, and none, none of it was new, but but you know, it's interesting to hear the nuances on what she's saying these days as opposed to what they might have said five years ago. And she also outlined um, her plan for what would happen if she's elected to government.
2: My starting point is this. I want Australia to be a high-wage, high-productivity country, Brimming with creativity and underpinned by a healthy democracy. While technology and industry evolve, the key principles remain the same. The economic challenge is to lift productivity and expand opportunity in an inclusive way. And this will be more likely if we preserve and strengthen the health of our democracy. These are serious challenges and I believe governments can play a meaningful role. I want to turn to connectivity as a driver of productivity. I believe that mobility is going to be transformational and also that the next wave of technological diffusion, powered by connectivity, will be a major driver of productivity growth, if not the major driver of that growth. True machine-to-machine connectivity and the coming wave of connected devices and sensors hold enormous potential for this country. In this context, it should be our objective to reduce the time and cost it takes to deploy mobile infrastructure, and this needs regulatory arrangements that are more fit for purpose than they are now. If, after the next election, I have the privilege of becoming the Minister for Communications, I will work with industry, across Parliament, and with jurisdictional stakeholders at all levels of government, to pursue meaningful and sensible improvements to the existing carrier powers and immunities regime. This is about ensuring Australians obtain access to improved mobile connectivity sooner and more cheaply, and that Australia remains well positioned to take advantage of technological developments and remain globally competitive. I'm also of the view that there is scope to improve the capital efficiency of the telco sector. In a practical sense, this means where possible and achievable, Improving the coordination of Commonwealth and state co investment in telecommunications infrastructure and better defining the role of the private sector and NBN Co in delivering the most efficient outcomes for Australians. And if I'm Minister, that is something I and Labor will pursue. The complexity of that task is not lost upon me, but any progress will be good progress and healthy for this industry. What Australians want is more reliable and faster connectivity. And our NBM policy, which was announced in November last year, will expand full fibre access to a further 1.5 million premises around Australia. This means that by late 2025, nearly seven in every eight homes and businesses in the fibre of the node footprint will have fibre access. And up to 660,000 of these additional premises will be in regional Australia. I want to note the important work of the RTURC and Luke Hartsucker as its chair. In conjunction with our support for MBN 6 wireless upgrade, which was outlined in the government RTURC review response, this means that under Labor, 80% of the 3.7 million homes and businesses in regional and remote areas will have access to speeds of 100 megabits per second or more by late 2025. Currently, this stands at only 33%. This will be a tremendous outcome if it's achieved. We have also made clear that a Labor Government will keep the NBN in public ownership for the foreseeable future. A public company with sprawling fibre assets is an enormous asset itself to Australia and has the possibility to create options for infrastructure efficiency and broader economic benefits that we've not yet foreseen. A key element of our connectivity plans will be the establishment of a $400 million fund to expand multi-carrier mobile coverage along roads as well as for regional homes and businesses. Investing to improve coverage along key road routes and transport corridors is not purely about quality of life and safety. In the long run, this will also create connectivity highways that support machine-to-machine connectivity. And to support this mobile coverage agenda, Labor will commit $20 million to commence in 2022 an independent national audit of mobile coverage. A competitive tender process will be used to identify a partner company capable of placing mobile signal measurement devices on Australia Post transport assets. Australia Post covers more road than any other logistics company in Australia. It has a transport fleet of over 15,000 vehicles which are on the Australian roads across communities every corner of the country, every single day. We believe this is a great example of leveraging a public asset in the form of Australia Post or public good, And we will use this data from the National Audit to better understand where coverage and capacity issues exist, to better guide Federal and State Governments with their investment priorities, and to assist local government in better understanding where the connectivity gaps are. I'm also open to suggestions about how else this data could create value for the country. And if we have the privilege of forming government, we would welcome engagement on that subject. Labor has also committed $30 million to helping expand on-farm connectivity to enable more farmers to take advantage of productivity-enhancing applications through connected machinery, sensor technologies and data which are more deeply embedded with technology isn't just good news for farmers, it's good news for the whole country. So I hope by now the message is clear. Regional Australians and Australians as a whole will have better and more reliable connectivity under a Labor government. I also want to talk about connectivity as a driver for national identity and social cohesion. Connectivity drives more than productivity and economic benefits. It drives immense social benefits too including as I said, national identity, social cohesion and community wellbeing, which are the building blocks of a stable economy and a stable democracy. The health of our society in turn impacts the health of our economy. These elements are inextricably linked.
0: Moving on, let's hear from Paul Fletcher, the Communications Minister, and what he had to say. Um, we'll listen to two separate excerpts from his speech. First up, he gives us uh, his version of how the Liberals repaired um, what he said was a broken MBN when they came to office, and the progress that they've made to date. So let's hear from what he has to say on that.
3: I noticed the other day, Mr Albanese, claiming that it's Labor that does the big things, and he cited as proof the National Disability Insurance Scheme and the National Broadband Network. Well, at different times, I've had ministerial responsibility for both, the National Disability Insurance Scheme and the National Broadband Network. And I can tell you, the truth is, Labor does not deliver anything. What they do is they come up with a half-baked idea with no practical concept of how to deliver it, and then if they're lucky, a Liberal National Government comes along to fix up their mess. When we took over responsibility for the NBN, we did set about fixing up the mess in a methodical way. Our 2013 Strategic Review, as everybody in this room would know, recommended the multi-technology mix, a combination of rollout technologies. If we'd stuck with Labor's model, it would have taken us as almost five years longer to complete the rollout and cost billions of dollars more. And of course, if we'd stuck with Labor's model, when the pandemic hit, In early 2020, millions of Australians moved to working and studying from home overnight. You really needed good broadband and at that time, thanks to the work we've done to fix this train wreck of a project we inherited, by that time 98% of premises around Australia were able to connect and throughout much of 2020 we were getting new connections of up to 40,000 a week, when Australia really needed the NBN and it came through and delivered. Traffic levels were up by 70% during the day and the NBN came through, it stood up strong. Today, of course, 8.4 million premises connected, 12.1 million able to connect, that's well over 99% of all premises. With the network effectively complete, we've set about upgrading the network precisely as we always promised to do. In late 2020, we committed $4.5 billion to making ultra-fast broadband of up to 1 gigabit per second available on demand to 8 million premises across regional and metropolitan Australia by at the end of 2023, including 2 million homes around Australia, today served by five of node, of which 950,000 are in regional Australia. Uh, All of these premises in this footprint will be able to order these high speeds and be connected using five of the premises if it's required to support their speed. Now, when we made that announcement in 2020, um, a figure emerged from the grave. Kevin Rudd came out and tweeted uh, that the Liberals had adopted his policy. This was simply a telling reminder of just how little Kevin Rudd actually knows about network architecture and economics. Because our approach, very specifically, is to roll fibre down the middle of each streak in the footprint, but only to connect the fibre to the customer's premises when the customer orders a speed high enough to require fibre. This is pretty basic business stuff. It's being efficient with your capital, and of course it's what was done to be much more successful and cost-effective New Zealand rollout. It's a fundamental change from Labor's misguided approach. But that detail apparently eluded Mr Rudd. Another aspect of our $4.5 billion investment is the commitment of $700 million to establish nearly 300 business fibre zones around Australia, including 85 in regional Australia. Indeed, around 90% of all businesses in Australia now sit within a business fibre zone. And that means, first of all, uh, that you can order an in enterprise ethernet service delivered over a fibre optic connection to your business premises, with no upfront charge, whereas historically the charge has been thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars, and therefore in practical terms, a disincentive to most small and medium businesses from ordering uh, a fibre connection. Secondly, we've reduced the wholesale charge, so it's now at the same level as in the CBDs of our big cities. And so in some areas, the saving per month in the wholesale charge is up to 67%. Now, I've had the chance to meet a number of businesses, particularly in regional Australia, that now have access to uh, the NBN Enterprise Ethernet service. And it's just been fascinating hearing about the way that businesses of all kinds are transforming what they do using high-speed broadband, And it goes right across the board. It's not just what would ordinarily be thought of as tech businesses. As I hardly need tell anybody in this room, of course, the way that business processes everywhere are transforming uh, for businesses to take advantage of cloud-based services, for example, means that, in effect, every business is a tech business. The availability of broadband is as important a decision for locating your business as things like transport connections, availability of land, availability of suitable premises, availability of employees. And our business fibre zone initiative responds to that reality and the uh, feedback on the ground has been very, very positive.
0: And then later on in his speech, um, Paul gave us a critique of the policy that Labour is taking into this election, namely that's an extension of the fibre connect program to cover pretty much most of the second half of the fibre-to-the-node footprint that hasn't been contemplated by the existing policy that the Liberals have announced.
3: Uh, well, first of all, they've copied the Morrison government's plan for the fixed-line upgrade, and as I mentioned, that does involve them finally abandoning their foolish and expensive strategy of building a fibre connection to every home regardless of whether the customer actually wants to order a speed uh, that is high enough that you need a fibre connection. Secondly, inherent in Labor's policy to do exactly the same as we are already doing through the end of 2023 with a further 2 million premises able to order a fibre to the premises service. Now Labor also makes vague claims about going further beyond that point. But what's abundantly clear is that they've not done the detailed work about where these services will be delivered and how it will be funded. What we do know, though, is this, that Labor lacks the technical understanding to properly plan or deliver their upgrades. They're simply cherry-picking suburbs in marginal electorates and making promises they can't keep. What we've already seen and will continue to so say, I suspect, from Labor in this campaign, is a travelling roadshow of announcements about upgrades in key seats with no planning behind them. Not only do they lack the track record on delivery to roll out their upgrades, they also can't tell you how they're going to pay for them. Mr Albanese still has not given a straight answer on how he will fund this upgrade. Not in his budget reply speech, not in the launch of his regional communications plan, and not on the ground with the shadow minister trying to spruke Labor's credentials on regional broadband. We all know what this very likely means: more direct taxpayer funding of the NBN. By contrast, under the coalition, NBN is steadily reducing its loan from the government, more than $12 billion already repaid by NBN to the Australian taxpayer. Now, I'm not going to stand here today and announce a shopping list of additional upgrades in suburbs in marginal seats. What I will make perfectly clear is that a re-elected Morrison government will continue to drive for the maximum societal and economic benefits out of this vital national asset.
0: So that's it. Paul Fletcher and before that, Michelle Rowland, what they have to say. The election's in about a week. Um looks like it's going to be a labor victory but you know you never know with these things they're often very close to call so um we'll, we'll, i guess we'll, we'll know in about eight or nine days who our new minister will be and uh, of course if you want to know all about what's happening stay tuned to comms day read us every day and listen to the podcast each week we'll keep you up to date <music>